The message of a true prophet is get right with God, loyalty to God, follow God first and foremost, while the message of a false prophet may claim to be that, but it has an added ingredient, loyalty to themselves. True prophets are all about God's will, while false prophets have a little bit of uh, extra ingredient. Uh, what's God's will, but also what do I want? More about false prophets, false teachers, and what God has to say about them and you in Micah chapter 3. So let's study the scriptures in Micah 3, starting in verse number 5. Thus says Yahweh concerning the prophets who lead my people astray. When they have something to bite with their teeth, they call out peace. But against him who puts nothing in their mouths, they set themselves apart for war. Therefore, it will be night for you without vision and darkness for you without divination. The sun will go down on the prophets and the day will grow black over them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners will be humiliated. Indeed, they will all cover their mouths because there is no answer from God. There's quite a bit packed into these few verses about false prophets and false teachers, seers and uh, diviners they're called later on, and we'll get to that in a moment. But it's important to understand that Micah has shifted his attention in this passage, chapter 3, from the leaders uh, of the people, the rulers of the house of Jacob and Israel, now back to the, the spiritual leadership. And in verse 5, it says they have something to bite with their teeth. It's important to understand that it was a culturally acceptable practice. And not only that, it was a, a scriptural practice that a minister of the word receive uh, payment for uh, services rendered. And I hate to put it that way, but for us to best understand that when they performed a spiritual function for someone, that that person could offer to them an offering. That was a respected practice. It was a common practice, but um, these false teachers are taking that principle. Even Jesus said the, the workman is worthy of his hire. Uh, you can find even previously in the Old Testament, don't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. Um, this principle that people who operate in a spiritual sense are to be taken care of uh, financially and physically is true. Old Testament to new. These men, however, are taking total advantage of that and taking advantage of people as well. They're the prophets who lead God's people astray. Uh, it's not so much that these prophets are saying, do wrong, do evil. Uh, that would have been easy to have said, that's not lining up with God's word. Rather, what these prophets are doing is they're not calling people to deviate from their sinful actions. They're not calling people to repentance. They're not preaching the full counsel of the word of God. Good news only. And uh, so everything is cotton candy with uh, no broccoli. And it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be both. You gotta have the cotton candy and you gotta have the broccoli. If you're gonna have a happy life, somebody comment, amen. They're leading people astray because they're not calling people to deviate from the paths of sin. And ultimately what they have made themselves as not a minister, uh, they're mercenaries, they're preachers, they're prophets, they're teachers for hire. And so when we read they have, when they have something to bite with their teeth, they, they call out peace. 
but against him who puts nothing in their mouths, they set themselves apart for war. This bite with their teeth has a deeper connotation than even just uh, eating food. It's saying more in this passage than the people who give them money they're nice to and the people who don't, they're not. That is definitely an implication. But this uh, bite with their teeth phrase uh, really comes from a Hebrew understanding of a snake injecting its venom into its uh, subject. So if uh, these false teachers can inject their venom into you and receive uh, what you have to offer. If they can take a bite out of you, then peace be unto you. Uh, but if you're not falling for it, um, if if you're not playing their games, if you're calling it out or not participating in it, then all of a sudden they're uh, setting themselves apart for war. They're consecrated to war. They're calling people to war. They're not ministers. They're mercenaries because here they're preaching to the people that uh, there's nothing but prosperity. God is a God of prosperity and the prosperity gospel is nothing new. It's been a satanic pollution of God's word um, for thousands of years, but they're preaching prosperity when God says um, judgment's coming. There's judgment on those who don't walk righteously uh, because God wants to give every good gift. He is uh, a father who wants to bless his children. All of those things are true. And yet, there's judgment coming for those who do not follow his uh, righteous word. And so, they're preaching prosperity when judgment's coming. They're preaching there's peace and there's safety and all will be well when in actuality, uh, sudden destruction is on its way. We can read that reaffirmed in the scripture that beware when all men are saying peace and safety because sudden destruction comes and it catches people off guard because they've been listening to these uh, ear-tickling teachers. So again, not ministers, they're mercenaries. They're for hire. And so they're biting people like snakes. They're injecting their venom and they're receiving pay to do so. And so God says, here's what's going to happen. It will be night for you without vision. In other words, uh, Micah is saying to the people now, not just the prophets, it's going to be, it's going to be dark. There's there's going to be no vision. You're you're a leader and you've been wanting to hear from God on what's the right step, what's God's will, what's your direction. Yeah, it's going to be dark for you. There's there's going to be nothing coming through these mercenary ministers. Uh, you're going to receive no word from God. Um, darkness for you without divination. Um, darkness is always a picture in scripture of uh, destruction or calamity. And so this darkness here uh, is set aside from when he talks about the sun going down. This is a picture kind of like an eclipse. Have you seen one of those where um, the, uh, the moon eclipses the sun? And the picture here is for those who've been following false teaching and those who've been listening to false prophets and those who've been giving money to people for a, a positive, affirming, encouraging word from God, big air quotes for those that are just listening, um, calamity, like actuality is going to eclipse this ear tickling message that you've been listening to. And uh, it's, it's going to be a problem. Uh, not only that, I wrote down the sun will go down on the prophets. Um, 
that would be an Old Testament or, uh, you know, legacy standard or King James way of saying your day's done. You're done. It's over. The sun's going down and you are absolutely finished. So the sun goes down. The day grows black over them. Look at verse number seven. This is interesting. The seers will be ashamed. Notice that word seers right there. And the diviners will be humiliated. Now, um, seers are people who are asking for visions from God, though that word can at times have a negative connotation depending on the context. And the diviners will be humiliated. Now, diviner is where it gets serious because diviners are people who are trying to get Uh, pictures of the future, predictions of the future, or uh, messages from God in an illegal manner. They're using uh, witchcraft. And here, what God is saying through the prophet Micah is these false teachers, false preachers, false prophets are no better than an illegal diviner. They're no, it's, it's no better than witchcraft. It's, it's evil. I hate it. It's awful. At the end of the day, because it's hurting God's people. It's a pollution of God's message and God hates lies, but it's also hurting God's people who God loves. And when you pollute the truth and you hurt people, you have set yourself against the God of the universe. And uh, spoiler alert, that's a battle that you are not going to win. So the diviners are humiliated indeed. They will cover their mouths because there is no answer from God in verse 7. Now, there's this Eastern, uh, maybe even Oriental practice of taking great pride in your beard and in your mustache. You can see that in ancient artwork. You can see that in the Old Testament. And so when leaders are coming to these spiritual people and asking for answers when the people are coming looking for hope or encouragement when the confused need clarity these people who once prided themselves in uh, taking advantage of people and giving people the prophecies that they wanted to hear you pay me well I'll give you a good word you don't pay me well I'll give you a bad word those people are going to cover their mouths um, and 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 run away. It's a sign of humility. It's what lepers would do um, as they were exiting the the city. This is a public sign of humiliation. The situation is going to get so bad. The season will be so dark. God's word will be so real that all of those who were once notable in the community of faith will will now be covering themselves in absolute silence, embarrassment, and humiliation because they don't have an answer from God. I love the beginning of verse number eight, though. Micah says, on the other hand, and, and I just, I, I love it because he's used puns in chapter one. He's a words craftsman. I just have to assume that he's a little bit sarcastic. Um, but in his holy boldness here, he's delivering the uh, direct opposite. He's like, here you go. Here's what false prophets and teachers are like. One, two, three. Now let's look at the exact opposite of that. One, two, three. He says, on the other hand, I'm filled with power, with the spirit of Yahweh and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression, even to Israel his sin. 
On the other hand, I have the spirit of Jehovah, the spirit of Yahweh. I am filled with this Holy Spirit. I'm inspired. In other words, he's saying, um, God has given me three particular gifts here. You saw the three ways that false teachers and prophets are taking advantage of you. Now, let's look at the three ways that God has empowered me. He's inspired my speech. Everything that comes out of my mouth comes directly from God, and that's something that the false teachers cannot say. Um, So that's gift number one. Gift number two is, he said, I have justice. I have judgment. He's like, God's justice, this rightness, it consumes my mind and it fills my message. Um, What I'm bringing to you is right and it is just and there's no wrong found in it. Gift number three, might. And and this isn't just a mighty, uh, let's go in and charge hell with a squirt gun that, you know, it's not an overzealousness. What it is, is a holy boldness. It's a... um, It's a divine courage to preach the truth and to do what's right uh, in spite of whatever danger may be coming his direction, in spite of what circumstances he may be preaching in. um, He's going to share the truth at all costs and only someone filled with the spirit of God can do that. That's not just an Old Testament thing, friend. That's a New Testament thing that you have access to. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means that you can speak what the Holy Spirit wants you to say. You can go where the Holy Spirit wants you to go. And you can have courage in the face of a culture that hates Christ. In the face of a church that loves ear-tickling false teaching. You can be like Micah here because you serve the same God that Micah served. And so... He says, this is the message I'm preaching. Justice, might, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Whereas those guys were preaching what pleases men, I'm preaching what pleases God at any cost. He says, to declare to Jacob his transgression, even to Israel his sin. Uh, They're synonymous there, Jacob and Israel. This is the prophet emphasizing. He's repeating himself. He's reiterating. He is reviewing. Do you see I'm doing it right now like the prophet was? I'm saying the same thing over and over again. That's what he's doing. He said, I'm here to declare transgression and sin. What are transgression and sin? The same thing, but he's really zeroing in on there is a sin problem and only one solution. He's he's preaching here. And so he's repeating this for great effect. I hope you're taking notes on this great chapter because so many parallels can be found in our society today, specifically our westernized American church culture, which is far too American and not enough church. Look at verse number nine. Now hear this, heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel who abhor justice and twist everything that is straight. He's bringing a reminder now here's a recap and so he's hit the rulers and the leaders the prophets and the priests now he's like let's hit him again the rulers and the leaders and the prophets and the priests here we go you twist what is straight do you see it in verse number nine you twist it you take what is clear what's right what's direct and you pollute it how do i know If a preacher is twisting what is straight, because at the end of the day, God's word only means one thing. One God wrote it. It means one thing. It's open to many applications, 
but one singular interpretation. Can I say it again? God's word only means one thing. So how do I know if I'm listening to a false teacher who is twisting what is straight as Micah is calling out in chapter three, verse number nine, you'll hear phrases like, you know, uh, my interpretation of this is danger, Will Robinson, danger. Um, I, here's a pet peeve of mine, but listen for it. Um, I, ju- I just feel like danger. The scripture is absolutely going to impact and affect your emotions. But when a preacher and a teacher says, I just really feel like this is saying to us, no, th- there's, there's no feeling. There's only fact. There's only faith. It's not, well, I just feel in this circumstance, like this verse says this thing. The Holy Spirit has the ability to minister from a timeless truth to your immediate situation. 100% yes. But when a teacher is saying, I feel like this passage says, rather than thus saith the Lord, you got a problem. You're in a situation like Micah is calling out and danger is coming. What do they do as they twist what's straight? Look at verse number 10. They build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with violent injustice. Mm. Their their goal was to build Zion as a picture of the palaces. Their goal was to, to build the kingdom and Jerusalem. It's the capital city. It's also the home of the temple with violent injustice. Wow, if we're not seeing that today. A desire to build political kingdoms wrongly through false accusations, through lies, through deceptions. Um, Wow. And Jerusalem with violent injustice. If we're not seeing violent injustice running rampant today, I just saw a video of uh, a particular abortion clinic practicing violent injustice at the behest of at least one entire political party in the United States of America. Wow. How incredibly incredibly sad and and not just there things happening at our borders and things happening overseas and this is not new sin's not new so if we see history beginning to repeat itself may we learn from the lessons of the past because those who do not learn from history are destined to repeat it so verse number 10 micah chapter 3 jerusalem with violent injustice her Heads pronounce judgment for a bribe. The the court system is unjust. You got to bribe the court system. Her priests instruct for a price. Again, um, people are uh, selling what they should be giving. They're perverting what they should be preaching. They're abusing who they should be protecting. And uh, abuse is not just in a governmental sense. It's also in a spiritual sense. Some people are abusing with power those they should be protecting. And some people are abusing with knowledge those that they should be instructing. Problem. Her prophets divine for money. Much to say about this. Not nearly enough time. If the Holy Spirit isn't opening your eyes to see this in the American church, I don't know what to tell you. Yes, yes, as we mentioned at the beginning of this study, it's it's a scriptural practice that ministers be taken care of financially. And I'm not here to be like, well, that guy's house is too big and that guy's car is too nice. Man, if you sold that many books or you built that big of a business, et cetera, to 
to, to have those nice things, God bless you. I, your generosity uh, behind the scenes is your business. It's not mine to judge. Problem though, problem when it's like, I'm only preaching if I get paid X. I'm only teaching if this many people are going to show up. I'm only if, like you're special. The, the, the message is special. The minister is not. Um, let, the, let the minister disappear behind the message. May we get back to preaching where people say, I might not remember that guy's name, but I remember what that guy thought about that book, and that book is awesome. More of, more of that. The end of verse number 11 says, yet they lean on Yahweh saying, is not Yahweh in our midst? Evil will not come upon us. See, they had ritualistic worship and they worshiped as if God owed them something. Like we're here in Jerusalem. We have the temple and the temple is like base and nobody can tag us if we're on base. You remember that thinking as a kid? I'm 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 on I'm on base. I'm on, and they're like, "Well, I, we're here in Jerusalem, and nothing can happen because the temple's back there, and God lives there, and nobody can mess with God." See, they had a fairly accurate view on who, on what God was able to do. They lacked total context on who God is and who God was to be to them. So they had um, faith but absolutely no love. That's why they're abusing people. That's why they're taking advantage of people. They have ritualistic worship. I mean, they're doing the ritual, singing the songs, go to the temple, do the sacrifices, but no purity. I mean, their hearts, their minds are corrupt. And I'm just talking about sexual purity. I'm talking about purity in thought. Uh, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And God's hiding his face from these people because their hearts are far from him. They're doing the right things on the outside, but they're wrong on the inside. And God says, judgment's coming. They have religion and they've got it. They've got the old time religion, but they have no actual righteousness. They can go through the motions, but they're not seeing God move. God speak nothing because it's fake. It's flaky. It's surfacy. And God is not with them in this well, the, 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 the temple is here, but here's what the prophet says in verse number 12. And I highlighted this one in blue because this is a prophecy here. And that's what I do. I highlight prophecies in blue so I can find them. Therefore, on account of you, who? The bad leaders, both uh, governmentally and spiritually. On account of you, Zion will be plowed as a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of ruins. And the mountains of the house of God will become high places of a forest. Wow. You know, Jeremiah repeats this prophecy in chapter 26, verse 18, years later. He's like, as uh, the prophet Micah said, and he quotes Micah's words exactly, that tells us that these things are being written down um, in real time. The Bible's not this book that's just being collected with people Uh, trying to rewrite history. And if that were true, um, the authors would not be writing all these things down uh, and painting their own nation and their own people in an unfavorable light. We're always the heroes of our own story. And so all of this negativity in the Bible is actually proof that the Bible is the inspired word of God. It's being recorded in real time, real prophecies before real events occur and what Micah 
prophesies here uh, comes to pass under the Romans when Titus Terentius Rufus, with a plowshare, tore the temple foundations right there in Jerusalem. And let me tell you that that Titus did not do that because he was like, "Well, I'm going to make the I'm I'm going to make the the Bible uh, be real. I've been I've been studying the Hebrew Scriptures. I've been studying the Torah, and I'm going to I'm going to make this come to pass. I'm going to be a part of prophecy. No, no, that that that's not the case. Titus did that because God knew he would. Micah spoke it and it actually happened. Now, some critics of the scripture will say, but but um, Zion wasn't totally plowed as a field. Jerusalem didn't become a total heap of ruins. The mountains didn't become total high places of a forest. Well, uh, I've been there and I have seen uh, where these fields are, where palaces once were. I have seen where excavation reveals ruins. I have seen where trees are growing in places where uh, the temple once stood. Um, But the thing about God's prophecies um, in cases like this is they um, they were conditional upon the repentance of the people. God would say, this is exactly what will happen if you don't turn from me at all. And if people would start to turn, as we would see in Hezekiah's reign, that God would begin to relent a little on some of those things. He wants uh, complete deliverance for complete obedience. And so you'll find even in uh, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, where God would grant some deliverance because the people uh, maybe they sought God's face, but they didn't totally repent. And that's what's happening here. This prophecy, though, so clear, so true. And again, a proof that the Bible is the word of God, totally inspired from God himself. So today's journal questions, what are we praying over? How are we putting this into practice? Well, before we jump into them, I I read a quote by Wearsby that I wanted to read to you. He said, few men are as pitiable as those who claim to have a call from God, yet tailor their sermons to please others. Their first rule is don't rock the boat, and their second is give people what they want. Let that be the preface for our questions. Are you ready to write them down? You ready to answer these? Are you, or are the preachers that you're listening to, ready to embrace those who embrace them, or that they want to embrace them, and only those type of people, and rejecting those who don't. I'm seeing how money is at play in so many cases. Well, that guy preaches false doctrine, but he's got a great TV network, so I'm not going to say anything bad because I want to be on his TV network. Mercenary minister. Think about that. Well, I, I'm not, let it never be said that I said anything negative about anyone. I've worked my whole ministry to sit at the table with other ministers rather to be across the table uh, from them in a debate. Friend, um, mark those that cause division. I'm not saying you should take that up as your main ministry. What I'm saying is, um, are we dealing with more mercenaries than we even realized? Number two, the litmus test for true ministers. You ready? It's three things. What is their foundation? Who are they for? Or what are they for? And is there fruit? 
Foundation, four, and fruit. The three F's of a true minister. Is there, what's their foundation? Does the message that they have come from God? Is it built upon the solid foundation of God's word? What's their foundation? Is the launching point for their sermons? So I was walking in Walmart the other day and they've got a really cool illustration. Or is their foundation, the Bible says, God says, what's their foundation? Number two, what are they for? Are they for God or are they for profit? There's a lot of false prophets who are preaching for the prophets. <laughs> and uh, the moment that you only preach some things or don't preach others because of the other prophets that you want to please, what you've proven is you're actually about the prophet you want to receive. Who are you for? You for what God says? what God wants or what people want to hear and what other prophets want to support. And then the third is, is their fruit. Are you, are the ministers that you're following growing in humility and courage? Because those who are only growing in humility, no courage are like those that are covering their mouth. Humility because they're wrong. Those who are only growing in boldness and courage without humility grow in arrogance and their day is coming. We read it in Micah chapter three. We're looking for ministers who have a humble courage. It's both, either or, too much of either one problem. Those who are filled with the spirit of God, those who have the Holy Spirit will be all humble and all bold all of the time. And here's the third one. Is Jesus your logo or is he your Lord? These false teachers, false prophets, and all of the people that followed them looked to the temple as if they had some sort of a mystical, uh, magical thing that nobody can attack us for as long as we've got the temple. And some of us uh, treat our salvation that way. We treat the Bible that way. Maybe we treat our church attendance that way. It's like, man, I wear a cross. I I wear a cross everywhere I go. I, what does it mean to wear a cross? Not just in a uh, jewelry sense on your necklace. I'm talking about they wear a cross on their social media. They wear a cross in their church attendance. They wear a cross in their service. And Jesus is their logo. He's the thing that they've made money off of. He's the thing they've made friends through. Jesus is their logo, but he's not their Lord. He's not in charge of every aspect of their life. And, oh, friend, been there. I'm... Um, struggling with that uh, everyone from the i mean you <laughs> just raise your hand where you're at watching you're watching this on youtube you're watching this on your phone you're listening to this uh on podcast as you're driving in your car just one hand on the wheel one hand up in the air struggling with that that i, I want jesus to be the lord of every area of my life and my rituals and my religion yeah my perceived rightness does absolutely nothing for me if I'm not right with God. Question, is Jesus your logo or is he actually your Lord? Thank you for studying the scriptures with me today in Micah chapter 3. A little longer today, but a little shorter as we jump into Micah chapter 4 in our next video. Um, some incredible content coming through all seven chapters of this book. We're uh, halfway there now and uh, looking forward to uh, taking this journey with you.